Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Megan Johnson. She's an Alexander Technique teacher, choral conductor, and voice instructor based in Indianapolis, Indiana. She teaches the Alexander Technique at the Indiana University Jacobs School of Music and is artistic director of the Indianapolis Women's Chorus. And we're going to talk today about some aspects of the Alexander Technique that would be of special interest to choral musicians. And for this podcast, we're going to do two, but for this one, we're really looking at it from the conductor's point of view. So, Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. Glad to be here. Well, it's great talking to you again. And I wonder, before we get into uh, our topic, could you give our listeners a very short description or definition of the Alexander Technique? Sure. Um, if somebody asks me, oh, what is, what is that thing you do? Sometimes I'll say the Alexander Technique is a way of learning to use your whole self, your mind and your body, in a way that's easy and effective in all of your activities. So whether you're a performer or an athlete or a gardener or you work at a computer, it can help you do that better and with more ease. And I think most musicians of all kinds uh, could relate to the idea of wanting to do what they do better. Yes. It's a pretty competitive world <laughs> and there's a lot of, um, a lot of, well, it's a pretty stressful world to be in sometimes. It can be. Yeah. It can be. So, uh, as I said before, in this interview, we're going to talk about how, really, how the Alexander Technique uh, can be useful for conductors. Uh, and I assume you, I know that you are a choir, a choral conductor, but mm-hmm. would you be also talking about uh, symphony conductors as well, that sort of thing? Or are we, are we really just staying with, with choral well, I have much less experience conducting instrumental ensembles, so mm-hmm. my personal experience comes from working with singers. But I think there are a lot of aspects of the conductor's work that apply regardless of what type of ensemble you're directing. Okay. So what are some of the issues for conductors? Well, um, one of the first things that I think about when I'm talking two conductors about the Alexander Technique is that um, many of us were were taught in our training what they see is what you get. Basically what your gesture as the conductor is conveying to the ensemble is uh, directly reflects or directly affects the sound that Mm -hmm. the ensemble creates. So um, Conductors are always, I think, looking for ways to refine their gesture, to be more expressive, to be more accurate, to be more precise in their gesture. And um, when you look at the impact of gesture on the ensemble, um, we can talk about mirror neurons. I don't know if our listeners are familiar with um, mirror neurons from a, a brain point of view. Oh, definitely um, talk a little about that because I can see that would be very relevant to. Sure. To so uh, to, to explain it sort of simplistically, and Robert, please jump in and correct me if I'm saying something wrong. Um, my understanding is that mirror neurons in our nervous system um, cause us to imitate 
what we see. So if we see a person performing a certain action, our brain starts to mimic or imitate that action in ourselves, even without our necessarily conscious awareness of it. Mm -hmm. So from... Uh, if we're looking at a choral rehearsal, for example, if the conductor is using um, a lot of very tense gestures and a lot of um, muscular effort in their conducting, the singers, simply because of the effect of mirror neurons, will be also increasing their muscular tension and using more effort in their singing. Um, Conversely, if the conductor is conveying openness and ease and release, then the singers are more likely to also be able to express those same characteristics in their singing. Mm -hmm. And do you think that um, that that matches my understanding as well of of uh, of that process? But do you think that it's there? Say a conductor's tension will be reflected in the tip of the baton, baton so to speak that the mm-hmm. that they the the singers are watching and or is it that while they may be paying attention to that they can't help but notice uh tension in the conductor's body or face that sort of thing I think it's both mm-hmm. um I think that just as um our overall coordination, the way that we use our whole selves, allows us to make our fine movements more precise. If you're a painter or a surgeon or you're sewing or or writing, the way that you're using your whole body and thinking will affect the precision that you're able to to make in very fine movements. And I think that your, your comment about the, the tip of the baton is, is very true. Um, it will be reflected in the way that the beat pattern is conveyed to the musicians, um, but it also is in in that peripheral vision. Even if a singer thinks that they are only watching for the beat, um, mm-hmm. they are taking in all of the other body language of the conductor as well. Um, I know this from experience as, as a solo singer. I have had a couple of occasions where I sang for a conductor um, who was so incredibly tense and so contracted in their movements that I almost couldn't watch them. I, I found it interfering with my vocal production just because of their tension. Mm-hmm. So if, uh, it, what would you say then to um, a conductor who is listening to this right now and and can well imagine that maybe they are tensing themselves a bit more and then they need to. Uh, what what does the Alexander technique have to offer him or her? Absolutely. So for me, the Alexander technique made a huge impact on the way that I stood, mm-hmm. on the way that I raised my arms, the way I moved them around in the air, the way that I um, used uh, facial expressions in communicating with the ensemble, and. I found that um, as I studied Alexander Technique longer, my conducting improved. Um, I no longer had back pain from conducting concerts, which was something that happened in the past. And I was more grounded, um, which is something conductors are told all the time, you know, be grounded on the podium. And um, 
I wasn't thinking about grounding. I wasn't thinking of trying to push my feet into the floor, but I was able to allow myself to be over my feet in a way that conveyed strength and confidence to my ensemble, therefore helping them to become um, more confident and and more, um, well, I guess more grounded in themselves. Right. Well, it's interesting that the first thing you mentioned when I asked that last question was standing. Mm-hmm. So just plain old standing can be <laughs> right. can be done well or right. not so well. Absolutely. And it, while it may not seem to make a, a big difference if, say, you're standing in line at the bank for a, a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. uh, conductors are standing for fairly long periods of time. Right. Yeah. In a rehearsal, you may be standing for three to four hours. Um, in a concert, you may be standing two to three hours. And um, your your standing is extremely dynamic as a conductor. You're not just in one static place. Right. You're you're not you're you're standing, but you're also moving your arms, mm-hmm. uh, raising raising your arms mm-hmm. uh, and moving them, and and obviously you're wanting to move them in a very precise way mm-hmm. a, a way that conveys the information right. uh, so just the physical challenge of that um, absolutely uh, I think you mentioned that uh, before you studied Alexander you would uh, you'd have to lie down during <laughs> intermission because your back hurts so much that's right yeah I would find that Partway through a concert, my low back would be extremely fatigued. And because the concert wasn't over yet, by the time I reached the end of the concert, um, I, I was in pain. And nobody wants to be in pain in, the, in any reason, but especially not when it's doing something that you love to do. Um, I also know that um, shoulder pain can be a problem for some conductors because we are using the arm... Um, and and moving the arm from the shoulder joint a lot and repeatedly throughout um, the course of a rehearsal or a concert. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, uh, if we have an imaginary uh, conductor listening to this, um, what would he or she uh, expect to happen if they they came, uh, let's say, to you for some Alexander lessons? What What would be, what would be the first thing you would do? Well, the first thing I would do is, I think the first thing that I do with almost any student, regardless of the field that they work in or, or what their concerns are, is um, help them to become aware of how the whole spine is connected to the head and how the head and the spine um how our use of the head and spine influences our movements. Mm -hmm. So um, singers are often taught from a young age a certain way of standing in choral rehearsal. And and we'll get into this more in the podcast for uh, choir singers that Mm -hmm. that we're going to do a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we're, we're taught a certain way of standing. And that way of standing may not be useful for mm-hmm. all situations. Yes. Um, it may not even be useful for, for the choral singing situation, but but you do the best you can with what you know at the time. So if I were to have a conductor come in to to work with me in an Alexander Technique lesson, first we would look at what's happening with your head and neck when you're standing, when you're moving from standing to sitting. Um, 
is your neck remaining free? Are you able to allow your whole back and neck to be easy as you move from standing to sitting and then back to standing? Or do you have tension in certain areas? And starting to understand that what we do in any part of ourselves has a huge impact in our whole self, in our in our whole coordination. So I, I assume that part of what you, you do is give them some basic information about their own physical structure that they may not have uh, thought about before. I know when I ask new students um, at some point fairly on, I usually ask them the question, when you're moving your head, either nodding or sideways or whatever, where is that movement taking place? Um, Almost never do they have that accurately... uh, mapped Uh, they have Mm -hmm. so there is so just that alone can make quite a difference for some people just getting being clear what the reality of their physical situation is Absolutely. I I always want to, when I'm doing a workshop or whether I'm doing a private lesson, I always want to be sure that someone leaves an initial encounter with my teaching, knowing where um, that joint that you were just talking about, the occipital joint, mm-hmm. where that joint is and where their hip joints are. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Um, if if singers and conductors have those two pieces of of information about their anatomy, um, that can be a great place to start to pay attention. And you mentioned uh, the idea that, that singers are often told to stand in a certain way when they're singing, and I've seen a lot of that, and it mm-hmm. definitely is 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 often pretty unhelpful. Is there anything analogous to that for conductors? Are they I think you said they're told to push into the floor. Is that right? Well, I, and and I will say that none of my teachers told me to push into the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have a sense that in our in our hoping to be seen as grounded and confident and strong, um, conductors often use much more uh, effort in their legs than they need to, which of course affects the low back and, and mm-hmm. the whole, the mm-hmm. whole self. So um, yeah, conductors are, are often instructed in, in my experience to, you know, have a stable stance, often one foot slightly in front of the other so that as they're moving, they have a, a more um, a wider base of support and, um, often, you know, instructions about how to um, use the arms, how to raise the arms. But but there are some pieces of coordination that I think um, Alexander Technique teachers are uniquely qualified to work with that maybe um, conducting teachers just don't know about, perhaps. Right. Well, yeah. And the other thing that I I wanted to ask you about um, conductors is and the Alexander technique is we've talked sort of about the mechanics of conduct standing and conducting, but mm-hmm. it would seem to me um, that a conductor also would have to ha- be, uh, in addition to knowing what he or she wants to convey has to have some sense of um, how well they're conveying it, which I guess means listening to the having that awareness of the of the actual sounds being produced, mm-hmm. maybe right. even things like facial expressions of the singers. I don't know. It does seem to call for a pretty wide 
range, a pretty wide um, awareness on their part of things outside of themselves in addition to the stuff we've been talking about so far, which is more what they're doing with their own bodies. Absolutely. So I think, um, you know, the part that audience members see uh, in a concert, a conductor standing in front of an ensemble usually and, you know, waving their arms around and the ensemble sings or plays, that's a very small piece of a conductor's work. And the larger piece of the conductor's work is in rehearsal, um, helping the singers to learn the music or helping them to rehearse the music, guiding them through realizing music that is written on the page or that they've all learned together somehow. And um, I think a really huge piece of Alexander Technique applications for choral choral conductors is being able to give instructions to their singers in a way that promotes release and ease, that um, promotes good, healthy ways of standing and using themselves, um, and, and gives instructions about the breath and about diction in a way that, um, again, creates ease and doesn't create tension. So really, the, the larger piece of the conductor's work is in rehearsal, um, teaching music, listening. That listening is, is so important to be able to hear very fine um, gradations of sound, mm-hmm. to hear when, when singers are in unison, to hear when they are uh, tuning an interval accurately, to hear if their vowels are all matching. Uh, so there's, there's a huge range of awareness that a conductor can bring to rehearsal. Right. And that's, that's really quite a skill to have that very high level of external awareness and also enough internal awareness to look after yourself. It is I mean, a challenge. You that, get you get sucked into the music pretty quickly, and to be able to retain some of your attention for your own use is is really important as a conductor. And and in my experience, the Alexander I haven't worked with conductors, but I've worked with lots of musicians, and in and in my experience, the Alexander technique is a very good way to help develop that skill. Absolutely. So that that might be a reason for. A, a conductor who's listening to this to perhaps in, investigate it. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about the technique and, and conductors? Sure. Um, I really just want to uh, encourage conductors to think about what they're saying to their singers when they're saying it, especially around breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have ever, as a conductor, said to your ensemble, okay, in the middle of measure three, we need a big breath. Mm. Think about some different ways that you might be able to say that to your singers. Um, perhaps in measure three, let's allow some space for breath to return before we sing the next phrase. So that right. that they are, um, that the singers are thinking in ways that are promoting release and ease and efficiency of movement rather than this gasp of, okay, I need a big breath there because I've got a, a high note or a long phrase or whatever's coming next. So right. Well, certainly, it- certainly singers can benefit enormously from sort of a basic understanding of the breathing mechanism that right. I don't think many of them have have figured out correctly but but that's interesting the conductor also 
ought to be aware of that because oh, absolutely yeah, because he's so, the one whose own breathing maybe is even being mimicked a bit by by the singers absolutely from these from mirror neurons for example yeah absolutely and yeah. just very briefly you know if um if a, a lot of singers get their primary voice instruction in choirs, there are many more choir singers, I think, than there are people who take private voice lessons. Mm -hmm. So um, conductors have this great opportunity and great responsibility to be giving healthy vocal instruction in the process of learning music um, in rehearsal and, and leading up to performance. So it's, it's a, a wonderful, diverse skill set required. And some some good reasons to investigate the Alexander technique. If if I hope so, if you haven't already. Well, I think this is a good place to to end our interview. Um, my uh, guest today has been Megan Johnson, who's an Alexander technique teacher, choral conductor, and voice instructor in Indianapolis. Uh, if you live in the Indianapolis area, I'll, I'm going to put a link to her website by the interview, and you can you can contact her. And I'll also put a link to a site where you can learn more about the Alexander Technique in general and where you could find a teacher in your own area. So, Megan, thanks so much for this. Thank you, Robert. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> 